My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. This is Derek Gilbert, and you're listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to the show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. As you guys always say on the show, you, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly! You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. The Nephilology round table. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long-distance pals? We're back. You're so good at that. You're not. I know. No, you're. I've. I listened to some. You do. You do a decent job. I can't fill your shoes. Why not? He's not they're, the they're, Ben. They're fit. only nine and a half. They're not very big. No, I guess I can fill those shoes for sure. Yeah. But. He's not the Ben fit. 
No, I'm not. That was hilarious. As I like to call him, Ben Foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben Foot, I heard you had a. Uh, I have had a good week. Adventurous. Not, uh, and and yes, adventurous week would have to be what it. Yes. So Sunday, driving driving home, we went out to the family farm. And my uh, stepdad had the tractor, so I was bringing it back. So I'm in my $2,500 Dodge. And I'm sitting at a red light, and I go to pull out. And it moves a little bit. And then I hear a big clunk. And it sounded, if if any of y'all's out there have a, a straight drive kick out of gear, it's what it sounded like. Just, cow. So I went and pushed the clutch in, which I'm still moving a little bit. And as I cram it in the first gear again, I'm hearing clunk, clunk, clunk. I go, oh, no. My wife looks over. She goes, what's that? I said, that's the drive shaft hitting the ground. <laughs> so I reach up, put in four-wheel drive. Try, you know, I wiggle it over, get it out of the out of the traffic lanes on the shoulder. And I get out, look, and it looked like where the drive shaft connects to the rear end, the little straps just, you know, rung off. Yeah, the bolts, the, uh, oh, what do they call it? Anyhow, the the bolts, it had like a little a ledge around it. Well, it just sheared that ledge clean off. So, uh, has a proper name, but I can't think of it right now. But anyways. The thingy. The thingy. So, I was like, oh, this ain't going to be bad. You know, it's just all all the bolts were there, so I was able to back them out. We got a new U-joint, new straps, put them up. I was like, good to go. Pulled out again, but this time, it, it felt like the truck buckled. And I went, that don't feel good, right? When I was taught to drive from my uncle's, they always said you drive by the seat of your pants, which I know that's like a saying, but you feel the the motion of the car in your butt. It's how they taught me, like driving the backhoe, mm-hmm. but you you can kind of feel where the angle of the equipment by your butt, kind of. I don't know, it's weird, but anyways, <laughs> it felt really odd. So I went, oh no. So I cut it off. Put it back in four-wheel drive. E-brake, went to push it in, and it was like, it wouldn't want to go in. So I get out, drive shafts laying on the ground again. But now, the hog head, pumpkin, whatever you want to call it, is pointing straight up at the bed of the truck. He's talking about the big round thing you see between the the two axles in the back of a truck. Yeah. So, anyhow, my leaf spring U-bolt brackets sheared off so luckily i have an awesome family one uncle stopped while i was sitting there waiting on my stepdad to show up with some tools auto parts store we could have walked to it you know uncle you broke down yeah so which he has tools in his truck he always does so and then we ended up calling my other uncle who had a rollback 
so we got it here. And in order to get it off the rollback, we had to chain the axle to my hitch so the axle wouldn't roll up into the, you know, forwards into the body of the truck. For some reason, like the, because it was the back U-bolts broke. So it went forward, the front U-bolts were still intact. It kind of bound the axle so it wouldn't roll backwards as we pulled it up. But with the front ones, the back ones broke. It just slid. So we had to chain them up. So your <coughs> rear end twisted like a pretzel. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Took it apart. Everything's good. The, the rear end looks completely fine. Um, and then yesterday, which I already told these guys this story already. Yesterday, we went to the drags out here in Bristol. And on the way home, Stonewall, my Jeep over here, we dropped Dad off, and I was headed home with the boys in the back. We had a guy's day. It's usually Father's Day weekend, but they did it a weekend earlier. So, But we still went. And all of a sudden, I mean, it's just kind of funky feeling. And when I built the Jeep, I tried to use some kind of off-road track bar, and I've got bead locks. You'll have to look at what bead locks are. <laughs> If you don't know what they are. But anyhow, it would do the same thing in a turn. It's like you turn, and then all of a sudden it darts into the turn. Like the tires roll and then get more grip. And so it catches you in the turn harder. And it's sketchy to drive like that. So I went and got the stock sway bar put back in. Um, and I figured if I air the tires down a little bit with the bead locks, it kind of tightens up your sidewalls. So that seemed to fix it. Well, driving home, I got out, checked the tires, which they were hot, so the pressure in them was more. So I let some air out. I'm almost home. I'm like, I wonder if that sway bar broke, which it didn't break, but somehow one of the bolts come out and the linkage fell off. So the linkage fell down. Like I still had the linkage, but the fault it disconnected it pretty much. So, I've got it to fix. And then yesterday <laughs> evening, going into town to go eat some supper, the car wouldn't start. And it's like the and all. I mean, it was just easy. It was just that the um, positive cable was loose on the battery. How did it come loose? I have no idea. But it's like, come on. <laughs> It's well, been it's been a week. You're in the clear now. Well, I so say far, trouble I runs still, in threes. Yeah. Well, true. Speeding tickets. Yeah. They always <laughs> run in threes. <laughs> oh gosh. That's what I've always been told, and it's usually you get pulled over, you just expect two more times. Knock yeah. on wood. Yeah, <laughs> if I get another one, I lose my license. How many have you had? Well, that whole deal with the hospital, me oh. rushing to get to the hospital. We're doing daggone ninety miles an hour me. through a school zone. Yeah. The, uh, Blowing like, your horn while you pass the cop probably wasn't a good. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, either I'm I mean, the biggest dumbest criminal ever, or it's an emergency. Yeah. Hey, cop, look at me. <laughs> yeah. I thought you was going to jail. I passed him. He had like eight cop cars. I'm I'm exaggerating. Well, there's probably been a four or five. There was at least four. Small I, town. I like eight. Eight cop cars behind them. Well, me and we always and that, exaggerate and, numbers. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and there like was like eight cops in each car. I mean, it was like a SWAT team there. <laughs> Justin looks dangerous. Get I was out like, the car. I was like, man, they did have their guns. Yeah, going. I did. I did see that. I was like, what the? But I was like, should I turn around? Like, nope, sorry, they and got I'm their like, guns out. I'm come good. out, and pull pull your guns out and help me. <laughs> I didn't have any. I was coming home from work. <laughs> oh, I usually have one on me, but unfortunately, works that they they frown upon that in certain certain places I go. Well, it, did you have any vehicle breakdowns? Uh, I got a flat tire. Yeah, here on this, he's he's part of a G, he's part of the Jeep family now. Oh yeah, I heard you got a Cherokee. Yeah, yeah, I did. A little, little yeah, and it's a green one. It is green. So it's like being this, this it, one's green. Be, yeah. yeah, this Cherokee here's green. It's forest green. So Yours he, he, he can't green, get your your hair, so he wants your car. Or, hey, I just know. I, I remember a few make... episodes ago, you you, uh, you made the joke uh, that he's trying to intimidate you, and we're going back and forth yeah. about hair and what is it? Um, intimidation is the greatest form of flattery. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. Woo. We're just a big Jeep family now. That's the way the way it works. Well, Justin has to borrow a Jeep. It's his wife's Jeep. Yeah. But I mean, muscle car, his car, or a Jeep, I'd probably stick with the car. Yeah. That car's sick. I love that car. I've been contemplating selling it. I've contemplated selling selling Stonewall a couple times. Yeah. My wife will get all excited. Well, see, I was telling my wife. And then I get to pull the trigger, like I'm get talking to somebody, and like. <laughs> The amount of work I put in that, I, I just same. I can't. Well, yeah, see, but, Derek Gilbert announced that he's doing. He always does a trip to Israel. I about went last year. Yeah, and he announced oh, this he's year gonna sell it to go that uh, he's going with Timothy Alberino. Oh, that would be fun. And it's go, it'd be about six bu- six thousand bucks. I was gonna say six bucks. Count no, us. I'm there. <laughs> so I was telling her, I was like, I'm really getting into editing and stuff now. I said, I got fifteen to. Twenty thousand dollars just in equity in that car. I was like, I could sell that, pay for the trip to Israel, get me a really nice camera, and start doing some documentaries. And he could pay for all of us to go. <laughs> What's don't, right off? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey! I'll, I'll throw trip. in. You get twenty. We'll throw in a hunt or five hundred a piece. That's twenty one. That covers all three of us. No doubt. I mean, I'd, I'd take that deal. The Dig Bible Podcast's first documentary. Yeah. The Holy Land with Derek Gilbert, Timothy Alberino, and the guys from the Dig Bible podcast. I think we'd We're be back. in the asterisk <laughs> section on the bottom of that though, but that would be that would be cool. Man, if this goes any longer, we have to do a toolbox talk for just this. So yeah. this is well, about the longest intro ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Well we're at fourteen minutes. It's okay. <laughs> well, Who's they, turn for prayer? They can fast forward it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'll let you pray, sir. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for many blessings. Thank you for all of uh, Ben's car troubles resolved. We thank you for uh, just all the silver lining blessings that we tend to miss sometimes when we get caught up in our, our feels. But... Uh, Thank you for the the weather. We got some rain to cool us off today. Uh, just we thank you that we're never alone, and 
we always have that hope in Jesus Christ. And uh, as always, be with us. The Holy Spirit guide us, give us discernment of your word, and have it reach those who it needs to reach. Amen. 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 Yeah, talking about, I, I, you know, mom's like, it's okay. I said, I know. Nobody got hurt, right? Could have been totally worse just doing 80 miles an hour. I mean, I wouldn't be doing 80, but going down the road, it had just ripped it clean out at that point. And then uh, I, I told her, I said, hey, we've sat here for three hours. I might have missed something major happened. I got T-boned by an 18-wheeler. You never know if, if I was happens. in that spot, yeah. if this didn't happen. And the same with the Jeep. If I didn't stop, pull over, check the air pressure, you what, never know. what, where would I have been when some drunk driver on drugs come across? Mm-hmm. It's always, you got to look at the glass half full, not half empty. Yeah. Tell them about that. Oh, yeah, I didn't get to tell them. This is not good old Mountain Dew, as they like to say in our part of the the woods but uh this is actually blessed uh water supposedly blessed by an angel i did a video like a little video on it first time we went uh it's called houston minerals it's down next to jefferson city but uh, it's up on my i think it's on that tiktok page that i had started but basically this guy named houston uh way back in the day like in the early 1900s uh had some kind of kidney disease and the doctors told him there was nothing to do for him that he was just going to die had a dream an angel told him to drill like a 150 feet or something it was all you know documented and in the newspapers and all this stuff but it was uh he dug he found a well and started drinking that water and it healed him he lived a long healthy life after that and then there's many uh local people that i met the first time i went that said that uh, women having yeast infections, never taking any medicine, just drinking the water, it cleared it up. Men having kidney stones, it, it busting up the kidney stones, and they passing them, and they've never had kidney stones since they've started drinking this water. And they even got papers up on the wall, like they sent it to labs and had it tested, and it's just rich in all these minerals that you can't find anywhere else. And, and they can attest, I let them try it. It tastes like nothing. It's nothing. It's tasteless water. It's pretty good stuff. So anytime you know we have some free time or we get low on it, we take a trip up there and stock up on it. It's like fifty cents a gallon. I mean, it's cheaper than a bottle of water, wouldn't it? Yeah, and We're better. Right there at it. I guess you have to carry a bunch of mason jars. Yeah, well, a bunch of people carry them like them big old, uh, like gas jug looking things, yeah. and fill them up. It always tastes better out of glass. It does. A good Coca Cola is better out of glass. But uh, getting on, I guess, with today's subject, uh, we were talking about uh, Gnosticism one day, and I had always heard about it, but I didn't really know exactly what it was. And one day at McKay's Used Books, I found a couple books that was on Gnosticism and the Gnostic Gospels. So I got to reading into it and stuff, and I, I just found it fascinating. So I asked the guys if they wanted to just take a look at it and study and just kind of talk over what what is it what have we found and stuff like that so that that's what we're going to attempt to do today uh the two uh two books that i found they were by this woman named elaine pagels you know on the the gnostic gospels and the viewpoints she's a historian 
and by the two books that I read, you know, she's she's kind of a Gnostic sympathizer in the least. Uh, she spun them in a real positive light. You know, it wasn't hard to tell which way she was leaning. But those two books were the origins of Satan and the Gnostic Gospels. Uh, but it was uh, basically the origins of Satan. She was in a roundabout way saying that, you know, Satan's basically a, a figment of our imagination that we created up to cast all of our, our blames on. And the whole Gnostic, you know, line of thinking is, you know, the, surrounded around the word gnosis, which means knowledge. You know, the name Gnostic means that they're basically they're, they're knowledge seekers. And we'll, we'll get into more detail about, you know, what they believe and stuff. But it's, uh, I thought it was pretty crazy looking how all the secret societies and, uh, mysticism you know and uh, stuff like that i'll have hints of this you know you go to you know pythagoras you know you know way before christ there was all kinds of hints of this you know seeking secret knowledge of, of enlightenment to bring you closer to to god or the creator or a god conscience you know and then egypt and uh uh, the masons it's just when you go through they all have hints of this and so i think it's uh I'm not a coincidence theorist. I think if something shares the same details and hints of things like that, it's you know usually has a, a common denominator somewhere. Uh, Steve, did, uh, what kind of stuff did you find in your dig? Mostly historical stuff. Um, I did. You know, it it's pretty amazing because it's it's really diverse. All the different. Uh, sects of this and, and the different paths that went and actually kind of interesting that I think they said um, is Mandaism is the only surviving uh, Gnostic religion from antiquity from prior which actually is it's kind of interesting that it's in Iraq and Iran and they say there's about 60,000 to 70,000 people that still practice that today but that's like the only version of because this as far back as we can track it, it's the first century is really where you can truly see where it comes from. And, and it's interesting because all of the knowledge that we initially got from this is from those early church fathers like Irenaeus and a couple other ones. But that's where Tertullian, Tertullian origin. Yeah. But these guys all are the ones that that gave us that initial uh, knowledge uh, and it was all in it was all in a negative context because yeah. it was all calling them her, uh, heretics. You yeah. Know? So that's where most people got that information from was saying, "Don't do this." Not, "Hey, here's the information on on this." No, it's "Don't do this because it's heresy." Hmm. Just thought that was interesting. But one thing I thought was, uh, you know, is when they first started finding these, you know, Gnostic gospels and things like that was uh, in the 1800s in Upper Egypt. And, you know, for those that are unfamiliar, it's kind of like a flip-flop. What we think is Upper Egypt, they call Lower Egypt. So it's kind of a flip-flop. But they found these uh, papers in Upper Egypt on papyrus leaves. And uh, many of the Gnostic Gospels were found there. Uh, the Secret Book of James, the Gospel of Thomas, and the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Uh, but I just got little bits and pieces of stuff that I just thought was interesting. But the Gospel of Mary... Uh, chapter 17 through 18 records that the disciples were deciding to write down the teachings of Jesus. And then Peter asks Mary, Sister, we know the Savior loved you more than the rest of the women. 
tell us the words of the Savior which you remember, what we do not know and have not heard. You know, this is the reason for that whole, you know, Da Vinci Code books and the movies alleging that Jesus and Mary had an intimate relationship. And even one of these Gnostic uh, Gospels has a passage saying that, you know, Jesus kissed Mary. But, you know, we don't know where he kissed her because it was like deliberately burnt out. So the early church fathers have a pretty good reason for, you know, calling these guys, you know, heretics and stuff. But but in that book, she reveals, you know, secret teachings on the soul's spiritual journey. And then Andrew objects and says, I do not believe the Savior said this. These teachings are strange ideas. And then Peter joined in and said, did he really speak this to a woman in secret? And did he truly love her more than he loved us? But uh, and then in 1945, they had another discovery of more Gnostic Gospels at a hidden library of, and forgive me if I mispronounce this, but Nag Hammadi. That's... Is that how you'd say that? Hamadi, yeah. Yeah, Hamadi. Nag Hammadi, yeah. But and that one greatly extended the understanding of the early Christian movement and how that happened. Uh, you got anything you want to add in here? Or you find well, they that said that, that besides that little sect over in Iraq and Iran that still kind of lingered on, that that uh, that whole movement had pretty much died out until that Nagamadi was found in 1945, and that kind of brought a little bit of a resurgence of this that returned to enlightenment and things of this nature and the, the belief patterns and, and, you know, um, what was his name? Uh, Valentinius. Yeah. Right. One the, of the founders, one yeah. of the founders of what we believe to be a founder of the Gnostic ideologies. Um, he actually believed like, Hey, we're right in line with Christianity. This is, this is Christian. This is the belief. This is, you know, he believed that, but it was Irenaeus and, like you said, Origen, Tertullian, and it goes on, I mean, further down the line where all these church fathers were calling, we're calling them heretics and whatnot too. And, it, and you saw a big division where the separation happened and all those different sects where, where they kind of branched off and even their views, you know, it's... Well, even I, Christianity today, I, look how many denominations... I was going to liken it to that to some degree, but they can't even agree on... On the resurrection and well, even like well, God, like who the Creator is yeah. and who this is, because some will believe that the original, you know, God, if you want to call it whatever, they had a name for him. Uh, yeah, my, I got it in here somewhere. It starts with an M. Yeah, I got it written down too. Um, what Manad? Yeah, or Monad, the mean Creator. Yeah, uh, so they called him. The thing is, they said uh, some sects believe that he created everything, and other sects he believe that he his his divinity it emanates down right. So his divinity emanate I can't say that word emanates down, and it created these these beings they called aeons, right? And um, one of the one of these aeons was called the demiurge. And the demiurge was the creator in, in some of these sects. Mm -hmm. So not only was it not the, you know, the God who is the way that they, the way that I interpret it and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the, the, the God that is the all above all the others in this little pantheon is kind of indifferent to us. 
has doesn't it was just like oh it's just his divinity emanated down and then you get into the point where you start seeing that with these other aeons and even then they have the was it sophia when those esoteric ideas Mm -hmm. of wisdom and i'll let you get into that yeah and philosophy but the common strain that i seen was satan's genesis 3 narrative what did he say when he gave the knowledge you know when he offered the you know the fruit he said ye shall be as gods mm-hmm. so all of these sects believe that they themselves through studying and acts and with no with no need of Christ or no need of, of God can ascend to, to God you know God's the height status. of God, yeah, or the, the Christ conscience, and you see a lot right. of that new agey stuff. It's reminiscent of that it's also. Like that enlightenment. They're yes. looking for that enlightenment. It's almost Buddhist. Uh, uh, you, you see that kind of connection with Buddhism. You think, like you just said, the new age movement, same kind of way. You're looking at self enlightenment, mm-hmm. right? And the whole point is that the way that they say it is that only some will have the ability to reach that yeah. plateau, that plane. The select uh, few, the chosen, yeah. But uh, I just wrote down some of these, you know, gospels and what they believe, just the exposures to it, and you can kind of just see how far out some of this stuff is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the Gospel of Thomas, it begins with this. It says, These are the secret words which the living Jesus spoke, at which the twin Judas Thomas wrote down. Well, the first thing that stands out to you is, you know, Jesus didn't have a twin, okay? But in this book, Jesus, you know, quote-unquote said, If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not, it will destroy you. You know, and this was written in Coptic and uh, goes to the 3rd and 4th century A.D., but th- these books were believed to be part of a sacred library of the oldest library in Egypt. You know, th- and these books were burned around 370 A.D. after Archbishop of Alexandria ordered them to be banned and deemed them heresy and demanded that they be destroyed. But uh, these books were under attack much earlier than that, about 200 years by, you know, Ornelius uh, of Lyons. He was the first to accept the four Gospels, Mark, Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as canonical and exclude the rest. But the Gospel of Thomas was a quote-unquote secret teaching and it contradicts Mark uh, chapter 1 of verse 15 where it says, The time is at hand and the kingdom of God draws near. Thomas records Jesus saying, If those who lead you say to you, Lord, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds precede you. And if they say it is in the sea, then the fish precede you. You know, here to them, the kingdom represents a state of, a state of self-discovery. But rather, it says uh, in quotations, rather the kingdom is made, I'm sorry, rather the kingdom is inside of you and is outside of you. When you come to know yourself, then you will become known and you will realize that it is you who are the sons of the living Father. 
So once again, you know, ye shall be as gods. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the divine spark inside of them, the, the, the Christ consciousness, and it's up to you to, to seek that knowledge and grow yourself. You see a lot. That's the same thing that you see a lot of that with that the whole new age ideas. Yeah. Even even though you can repackage it, rename it, it doesn't necessarily say you know God per se in the new age movement. It might you know it's just find your inner self, find your best self. You know, uh, become enlightened. It's 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 just scary because you see these things and you see how it slowly over time, even even back to the time of the first century. We're talking right after Jesus, but. And you, you go all the way through time and you see how these things kind of shoot off and pervert a little further, a little further. And you can see the hands of the enemy working on this and changing things. And, and what they do is at first, like I said, at first they show that it lined up right with Christianity. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're going to just change this little tweak idea little here bit. and tweak this to make it yeah. seem This is okay. what they really mean. Yeah. And then they take it to the next level and then they take it to the next level. And as we go through history, you can, people are able to let that kind of, at first these little tweaks, these big tweaks become a little more, Oh, that makes sense. I could see that. And I just wanted to throw this one thing in there real quick. That Demiurge I was talking about that a lot of them believe as a creator is depicted. I think this is great. Is depicted as a creature with a lion's head and a serpent's body. Now, pretty interesting when you really think about that, especially after what we just talked about with some of the uh, um, astrological uh, uh, astronomy uh, stuff that we talked about, you know, in the last couple episodes. And you talk about the, you know, Satan masquerading as an angel of light, right? You know, masquerading as the lion, you know, not the lion of Judah that we talk about, but masquerading as the lion. And yet it's the, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing. You see the lion's head with the serpent's body. Showing himself as that angel of light, but right behind him, all that evil's right his there. His true self is his true yeah, self is the there. wisdom serpent. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can take that kind of stuff and look at even today with the whole you can be a cow if you want to be a cow. <laughs> like, no. Oh, it's getting taken to the next level. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just slowly progressed. I mean, you had the whole. In the 60s, the whole, you know, love, free love stuff, which started more. I mean, I'm sure homosexuality was always around, but it kind of made it more popular. And then it kind of died off a little bit, and it's coming back. And now you've got 12-year-old girls thinking, hey, we can do this. We can go swing. We can be a switch hitter. That's that's not at all, and then then people's goes well, she's just twelve, she she'll grow out of it, and and you're just saying oh well that's normal, well when you, they I mean the thought might happen but you gotta be like no that's not right, and then you you teach them, then they go oh, well you're right that's not right, you know, two cows can't have a calf. You gotta have a bull and a cow, mm -hmm. and and that's in nature, you know. And that's the minus... problem. You have to have an absolute truth. Yeah, you and, know, people and that's say, the "Oh, whole... it's no, there is no absolute truth. It, it's everyone has their own truth." Well, no, right. then that's just sowing seeds of deception. You, we almost have a standard. There's a reason why every culture in the world, you know, don't matter what culture you are, language, we all have universal truths. We all know it, it's not right to kill. 
Right. We all know yeah. it's not right to steal. And that, that those are absolutes. You know, they're universal truths, and, and they're trying to, all that garbage, just, you know, be well, your best self now. You know, you're perfect the way you are. Yeah. Or, there is no God, absolute God truth. made you that way. Yeah. If if God, you know, God knows you. It's like these, these um, I can't think of what kind of churches they call it, but it's the come as you are. I mean, yeah, come as you are. You know, you don't have to be fit, perfectly fixed and then come to God. I mean, that's the, that's the journey. You say, I, I'm missing something. I'm broken. I'm living in sin. You Ten come years to God, later, you shouldn't be broken still. Right. You, should you shouldn't be doing the same fixed. stuff or... You're you're not you're not getting it, right? At the the whole well, there ain't nothing we can do for you. There, nothing news under the sun. Yeah, once and again. and it it got, it's like the Roman Empire. They were these burly, powerful, aggressive fighting force of soldiers conquering everything. And then what was the they they killed themselves. They they got all they got into this free love, do homosexuality, all this kind of crazy stuff that's going on today, and it wrecked them. What's well, a cancer? It eats. Yeah, it eats you from it, the inside. And it, it's it, and but it always that's how starts, Satan works. It always yeah. starts with the truth, and then a slight perversion from right. the truth, and then a greater perversion from the truth, until each one of those things seems more acceptable. Right, but if like like say today. Say if yesterday we were in the time of Jesus and then you're to, to today, the way the world is, people would be like, you're freaking nuts. You can't know. How did you go from that to this? But if you only look back, well, 10 years ago, you know, the you had maybe a gay parade and well, people's, well, no. What's the frog in the boiling water? Yeah, you yeah. slowly and then today, turn up the heat. Today, Heaven forbid you go out and protest the gay parade, because now you're the bad guy. And that, and then it goes into the whole stuff they're doing in schools, these different kind of shows. This does this does go way I mean, back it, though. Oh yeah. It's always, well, it's always been around. All the way to Anana. Anana. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say when you talk about being able to portray yourself as a man or a woman. It's like the first ever transgender type uh, deity right. that would either sleep with man or woman could show herself as a man or woman and, and it's that's I mean that's historic I mean that's and and it's going it goes from like we're saying it's the slow progressive you know you think 10 years from now and the way they are now it's not that much different it's getting different quicker and quicker now because you're just taking it to I'm going to be a unicorn today and an elephant tomorrow well but you know, it's just ignorance, but it's it's to the. I don't understand. <laughs> and that's something. I'm glad you don't understand. Yeah, man. I'm glad. I'm just... But but in all seriousness, it when we talk about this, and it's it's something that we're gonna all face. Our kids are gonna face. Everybody that we know is gonna already face are. this stuff. Well, we already and, are. Right. But our, our kids are in we, high school. But it's gonna keep going, and we and have to understand. We that we that's 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 our job that's our, as a christian group as the church of christ our job is to stand firm in our beliefs but at the same time 
remember what we always say is we don't condemn the sinner. We condemn the sin. Correct. Like I don't agree with what certain people do. I know God still loves those people. God wants those people saved. And, and if we treat them like the majority of the church in treats the past them, yeah. treats them, all we're going to do is drive them away and make them, make them feel. We'll make them lead to that, this, that we're, that we're, cause then it makes, but it makes us heretics too, because we're, we're not going by what Jesus said. We're not going by the, the path that we're put on. If we're not taking the, the, uh, the way that Jesus was that I saw that post, I think Liz reposted it the other day, but it's like Jesus didn't tell the sinners to go to church. He told the sinner or he told the church to go to the sinners. It's like we go. And the thing is we have to always remember we're sinners too. Everybody's this, you know, we're all in the same boat. The only difference between us and them is that we have salvation now because we have accepted Jesus. We have accepted that truth. If we don't have that, then we're no different than any, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're Charles Manson or if you're RuPaul, we're no different than them. If we don't have Jesus, we're no different. That's true. So, and it's, you get, I know we got off base. Yeah, we're way off base. We've been off base for about 20 but, minutes. But to be not fair. Really, we're not really that far off base. To be though. fair, this, well, it, it is a little off base from the, the stuff, subject but matter. It's, but it is, a, it's it's what this, it, it's a, Gnosticism it's, is a, is a, is a view into the way that our world has changed. Yeah, it, that, it's kind of like the stepping stone to get to us today. The world, the way the world is today. But anyhow, go ahead. No, I, I back to you, Jess. I'm uh, I'm, I'm hope, so far off base now. I don't even know. Let's back it up. <laughs> I had to do it for you. We're back. But going on the so gospel, go. the gospel of Thomas, that where he talked about, you know, he referred to Thomas as Jesus's twin. When I first read that, you know, I was like, well, anybody that knows the scripture knows Jesus didn't have a twin. You know, where the hell they come up with this stuff? So then when I kept reading this book. I I, I found it, and I was just like what it all goes back to this new age christ consciousness stuff but uh according to the gospel of thomas the kingdom of god symbolizes a state of transformed consciousness one enters when they attain self-knowledge and uh and when they come to know oneself at the deepest levels they simultaneously they come closer to god and knowing the source of one's being but uh mark chapter 8 is where this comes from verse 27 through 29 Peter, this is when he, uh, Jesus asked Peter, you know, who do you say that I am? You know, and he says, you know, Jesus tells him, you know, you answer correctly, you know, because he said he was the Christ. Well, the Gospel of Thomas records that same event, but instead of Peter, it's Thomas that he's talking to. And Thomas gets this answer right when he replies, Master, my mouth is wholly incapable of saying whom you are like. Not are, but who you are like. Because in this account, Jesus asked them, who would they compare him to? So in the Gospel of Thomas, Thomas says, oh, well, you know, my mouth is unholy. I, there's no one I can compare you to. You know, and it says at this moment that Thomas transcends from a disciple to master. Jesus declares that Thomas has become like himself. This is where we get the twin language that we talked about earlier. Jesus then responds and says, I am not your master, for you have drunk 
and became drunk from the bubbling stream that I have measured out. Whoever drinks from my mouth will become as I am, and I myself will become that person. And these things that are hidden will be revealed to him. So basically, it's like this is a a spirit that attaches to a person, and then once that person teaches it to another, the spirit leaves them and goes to the other. Now they're the master and the teacher. And that's when it hit me. I've heard people talk about Jesus was not the, the son of God. It wasn't until he was baptized the spirit came down and Jesus said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And they say that is the point when Jesus became enlightened and became a Christ. <coughs> The problem is, is that anytime, and you'll see this with a lot of different groups, with the Hebrew Roots group or with different types of groups that we talk about, that um, will take scripture and they change it to their narrative, narrative, how it works for them. So they can take a verse or a section and say, well, look, this is what it says right here, but you take it out of context. Yeah. And if you don't look at the context of the scripture, then you don't see everything that's there. So... And, and, and if you, I mean, it's, it's hard because if you go back and, and even look at, because we're talking about, you know, a lot of this, these writings were from that first century and, and even then at Irenaeus, and then you said Origen, Tertullian and all them were already calling it heretical. So you're already seeing that back at that point that they already, you know, didn't line up. They already didn't have that, um, that even at that point they didn't agree on some of those teachings. So, you know, at right now, if you aren't invested in your Bible, if you aren't sitting there and reading it for yourself and you're taking, and you're taking somebody else's word, if I'm just going and I'm, I'm just listening to somebody on a a podcast (laughs) or on YouTube or anything else. And you're not digging into it yourself. It's very easy to sit there and say, Oh, this is someone's interpretation. And it could be, out in left field. But, you know, and this, the best way to say it is, does Satan believe in God? Oh, he best believe. You sure yeah. darn right he does. So it's not that hard to say that, you know, all these different things are, it's right in front of you. You need to check the source. You need to go back to it because if you're not digging into the word, it's very easy for you to get miss some the wrong information from the wrong thing. And not just the verse they quote, like you said, because they could pull out of context. If they say, oh, Matthew 2, 4 says this. So that proves my point because I believe this, this, and this, and that, that says this. Mm-hmm. Don't just pull out your phone and Google that verse. Oh, yeah, he's right. That's what it says. No, read that entire chapter. Mm-hmm. Or in the very least, read eight or ten verses ahead of it and after yes. for the full picture. Yeah, because yeah, he could be talking about something totally different. Yes. You know. Is it, what does it always say, though? And when I think... And I think that this applies in this situation more than most people realize. But when it says test the spirits, right? Always test That's the spirits. Exactly. And I believe that means that when someone's telling you something, there could be evil spirit behind that too. So you need you to test, test that spirit, which Bible. means, yes, always go back to Scripture. Always know and just be founded in, in your Bible. Always be founded in Scripture. And, and after that, you can have more discernment. You can have more... That's why do you think we have to pray for discernment? Because there's so many other sources that are pushing us in different directions, different ideas, different ideologies. And you look at just the Christian church, like you said before, with how many different denominations are there? Yeah. 
Because they ch- pick and choose what parts of the Bible they want to believe. And that's the part that bothers they're, me. They're all reading the same Bible. Yeah. What does Jesus say? Yeah. He said, He Peter? said, don't be a cherry picker. Yeah. Well, he did, well, he probably did say that. <laughs> but He said, but the cherries are really good. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, he said, Peter, uh, you are the rock in which I will build my church. Right. He didn't say all my different churches. He didn't say, this is where I'll build the Methodists. This is where I'll build the Baptists, the Catholics, the Lutherans. He didn't say that. He said my church. We should all be united. And that, that part right there is where I feel the church as a whole is failing is because we're fighting too much among ourselves. And, and we don't even know who the real enemy is anymore. Well, and, and if you look at, I mean, that's, that's the devil. 100%. If I mean it's 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 like we've always heard about our country, right? If we can if we can you know, put put the men fighting against the women, the men are or whatever that word is, manly, what's masculine. That word? Yeah, but it's not masculine. Toxic toxic masculine. Whatever. Yeah. And the women, you know, they're the feminist you know, they hate men and they're trying to make it to where to, to the women that men hate the women and look down on them. Now we're fighting ourselves in our own country and we're not paying attention at all what the government's doing. What does every great, and that's what does every great military strategist do? Oh yeah. Divide and conquer. That's it. If you can divide the church much easier to take people away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or to sideline them to, to believe well, yeah, that, I like the way, shoot, this church over here says, if I believe this way, I'll be filthy rich. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go that way. Thank you, Joel Osteen. Yeah, that's, yep, I just didn't want to name drop, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can be your best self. Yep. I seen, I, was, did you send me that video? Probably. Where the preacher guy was, went into his church? Oh, I don't know. I seen a video where a, another preacher went into Joel Olstein's church and was saying this is not right. I mean, I guess in this church it looked like a whole bookstore selling his books. Mm-hmm. He said this isn't right and they, you know, tried to arrest him, kick him out. He said, "Hey, Jesus went to the to the temple flipping and was flipping table. tables cuz they were doing the exact same thing." Well, this is private property. He says, well, don't call it a church. Call it a place of business because that's, I mean, but he got kicked, you know. We'll see. I'll I'll try to find it and I'll send it to you. Yeah, I can I upload it to Facebook or something. I guess I can do that, couldn't I? But anyways. <laughs> it, it's it's just. I actually really like this topic because it's taking us down some good little yeah, rabbit it, it It's. Like you're saying, you got to read it in context because you can pick and ch- cherry pick any any darn verse you want, you know, just, and Jesus said, you'll be saved. Hey, if you give me $20 million, check out verse where, wherever, you'll be saved. It tells you right there, just donate us some money. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works that no. way. Because <laughs> my name ain't Jesus. <laughs> All right, Justin, back at it. But uh, so the whole, you know, the twin, you know, terminology goes to he had uh, 
self-knowledge. He, he found the divine within, you know. Uh, Jesus says in the book of John, you know, I am the door, whoever enters through me shall be saved. You know, so it's, it's already contradicting the, the Bible. But there's another book, uh, that's the Gnostic book, it says the, the teaching of Salvanus points to a, a different direction. The, the teaching of uh, Salvanus was another Gnostic gospel found at Nag Hammadi Library. And it says, Knock upon yourself as upon a door, and walk upon yourself as on a straight road. For if you walk upon that road, it is impossible for you to go astray. Open the door for yourself, that you may know what is. Whatever you open for yourself, you will open. So it's all about uh, you, divine knowledge, and Christ consciousness once again. So not God will open the door. You can open you your own You have to doors. open it, yes. You don't need God. You don't need Jesus. It is important to note that most of the main coverages on your home insurance are percentages based off your primary home coverage. For example, the insurance for permanent, non-attached structures on your property is normally only 10% of your home coverage. So for the tribulation prepper, that may not cover the apocalypse bunker, the greenhouse, the storage shed, the backup storage shed, the solar panel array, or the electrified perimeter fence. That's why it's important to review your coverage with the Better Insurance Agency to make sure that you not only have the right rates, but the right coverage in case you need to file a claim pre-tribulation. Because let's face it, Either you should have a fully insured, fully functioning, self-sustaining, off-the-grid shelter that you put all your hard work and effort into, or you can just be raptured one day and leave it for the next guy. Visit us at thebetterquote.com to make sure you are properly covered. Once again, that's thebetterquote.com. Only available in Virginia and Tennessee. Yeah, what I was going to say, I know it's not exactly the same, but it's it's the... It reminds me a little bit of that Founding Fathers episode with the, the whole, um, you know, reason, right? I mean, I know it's not exactly the same. but Oh, that's what I was saying. You can see traces of it through all that you stuff. You can, but, but the reasoning, like, it makes more, you know, if, if you want to go down that path, people could say, well, it makes more sense that I have control. It makes more sense that I don't have to rely on a, uh, on a God I can't see. So my only way to to save my soul or save whatever it would be that I have to achieve that. It makes more sense. This, every time I was reading through this stuff, I could just kind of feel that um, kind of that age of reason stuff kind of, kind of encapsulating this a little bit. And I'm, like I said, I know it's not exactly the same, but it just, Oh, I think it's a branch of it. I truly do. You it feel it from. Yeah. yeah. You it's feel the same that. spirit behind all of it. Well, that a hundred percent is true, but um, yeah, I, I did uh, one more thing, and I know I've I've hit this a couple times on a couple things with this demi urge, which I think is just it's kind of an interesting figure. This this um, aeon uh, uh, demi urge that supposed creator through the Gnostic uh, ideology, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And uh, this is just straight from Wikipedia, believe it or not. This I just thought when I searched that term, looked at that term, it says the term derives from the Latinized form of the Greek word demiorgos. Literally, it means public or skilled worker. This figure is also killed or called, sorry, 
Yaldabaoth, um, which means blind god, mm-hmm. or Sacklus, which means foolish one. So God of the fools or God of the blind. Yes. Yeah. So then you see, if you go a little further, it's all. If this is interesting. Like I said, this is. So take it for the source that it is. That's why I preface that. But sometimes um, uh, other names and identifications that are given to the same deity are Ahiraman, El, Yahweh, and guess what? Satan. Always called all those different things at different times in different sects of this. So they're even confusing you know, when we talk about Yahweh or Satan or just the word, you know, the God L, as we've talked about before, um, it, it, which we heard of as the the actual um, God of that pantheon, you know, L, but L, we've, his 70 sons. and his 70 sons. But we also heard of L as in like El Shaddai. And, you know, when we talk about our God, you know, the, yeah. the one true God. So I just think that's very interesting that all those characters or names, I should say, kind of fall in and people can relate all those names back to that one creator. They even will talk about Satan as the potential name of the creator in this, which is, I mean, if that's all true, that's very, I don't know, I, you see how, how easy it is for things to get askew. Oh, and it's that way intentionally. Oh, it is, yeah. but it's just it's just amazing how easy it is for people to fall down these paths, these rabbit holes that if you're not founded, like I said, in your Bible, you just you put yourself at such a greater risk of you being be corrupted much yeah. easier. Well, yeah, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, once you get up that 33rd degree, they reveal to you that basically, you know, and I've been reading that uh, Morals and Dogma book, mm-hmm. and it's basically they paint Lucifer satan as the good guy that god yahweh was was the creator god but he was this this evil benign god and who's holding us back and he wanted to keep us dumb and be slaves and lucifer here come he he comes in to be our savior he wants to give us knowledge and wisdom and and take care of us and he give us the apple and gave us wisdom and, and enlightened us you know and that's why they attribute the name Lucifer to him because it's the light bringer, the knowledge bringer, and that that's the the god that they worship. And how easy would that be for someone who doesn't know the Bible or is new into the Bible, just to well that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? It's very uh, Prometheus. You could yeah, you could if that makes sense. You know, coming to... You could easily fall for it. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. But coming to, you know, coming to our aid, coming to our rescue against God. You know, that's the... You, you see that time and time again. So the way we go back to Genesis 6, the same thing. When we look through Enoch, you know, they, you know, were coming down to help, you know, initially coming down to help uh, protect us. All the different stories coming down to the, the fallen angels or, you know, even going through the Apkalu and all these other different that they were, they were the good guys. They were coming to save us. They were giving us knowledge. They were giving us things that were supposed to be forbidden from us. The Indians, you know, their gods came from the stars mm-hmm. and, and gave them knowledge and taught them how to cultivate the land. And, yeah, they're always the savior, you know. Mm-hmm. Wrong. <laughs> well, that's it. Ben wraps it up right yeah. there. <laughs> 
join us next time. I mean, we, I mean, we could have just been like, hey, guys, so this topic, yeah, it's bull crap. Yeah, don't even waste your time. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> I just love the way, like I said, I love the rabbit holes it takes you down because oh, it yeah. gets you thinking in different ways. And well, well, it also, you know, if somebody might be looking into this kind of stuff and listening to us, they might be like, well, I didn't think of it that way. This is just a big ploy and a trick. That's I mean, been played over and over again and yeah. repackaged over yeah. and over again. Yeah. You know, it's... But with uh, Sylvanus, when he talked about, you know, you open the door and, and, you know, it's all on you. You know, you have to, to do all these things. When people asked if they should fast, if they should pray, you know, shall we give alms, you know, the diets, which ones should we observe, observe the feast, the holy days, and Jewish practices and stuff when, you know, they asked in, in the Bible, the Gospel of Thomas has Jesus replying to them, do not tell lies, do not do what you hate, for all things are manifest in the sight of heaven. And, and what does that sound like? Do as thou wilt. Yeah, if you yeah. don't like it, don't do it. You know, if you do like it, who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't think that's that's very new agey. It is definitely very new agey. Oh, if you feel like a unicorn, then just go be a unicorn. Grow your horn, paint your polka dots your body, and just be a unicorn. <laughs> I'm seeing a photo shoot in your future. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sitting up by his Jeep, some Daisy Duke that. shorts and Ranger panties. <laughs> yes. That's the inside joke. And if any of y'all out there were in the military, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Luke uh twenty two <laughs> and Mark fourteen. Uh in Mark, Jesus declares that neither Satan's role nor God's preordained plan absolves Judah's guilt. But the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. You know, John mentions armored Roman soldiers. Luke mentions only Jews. Unlike Matthew and Mark, Luke omits the, this verse and says, The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners you know, a.k.a. the Gentiles. You know, Luke was a Gentile and was speaking to the Gentile people. But uh, the Gnostics deny the literal interpretation of the resurrection, and that, that's another common thread. You know, it's beyond there, like we talked about, reason. You know, remember the episode that we did on the Founding Fathers? You know, reason was their guide, and many like Thomas Jefferson, Payne, Washington, all denied the physical res resurrection too. You know, the, Nox, the Gnostics use Luke and Mark to justify their beliefs because it, it appears in spirit form. You know, he disappears out of sight into the clouds. He orders Mary not to touch him. You know, that he does, you know, many supernatural, quote-unquote, things that the flesh is not capable of. In John 20, verse 17, he said, Don't cling to me, as I have not ascended to the Father. You know, I believe, you know, this was because he was the first fruits of the resurrection. He wanted to present himself before the Father, you know, untouched by human hands, undefiled. But they use this as their backing of, 
well, he was not flesh. He was spirit, you know, so uh, it was not a physical resurrection. But Paul describes the resurrection as a mystery, saying the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Gnostics believe Jesus' 40 days on earth after the resurrection was basically the transferring of his power to the apostles. And they call Christians that believe in the literal resurrection the faith of the fools. Uh, the Gospel of Mary says that the appearance of Christ after his death was just dreams and visions. Jesus appears to Peter in another Gnostic Gospel, the Apocalypse of Peter, in a vision saying, I am the intellectual spirit filled with radiant light. You know, the light symbolizes wisdom and knowledge. And you remember, we said it already, but Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. But they believe the resurrection is the moment of, quote, unquote, enlightenment. The world itself is an apparition, you know, like the Matrix. You know, I'm pretty sure you, most people can see the, the hidden messaging, you know, in, in the Matrix uh, but the, the Gospel of Philip I mentioned earlier, it says, Those who say they will die first, then resurrect, are in error. They must resurrect first while they are still alive. You know, are you, are you woke yet? You know, did Satan promise us wisdom and knowledge and that, that we would be as gods? You know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to see where this, you know, deception is coming from. They thought themselves special in, in that they were given divine knowledge. You know, to me, it sounds a lot like Genesis 6. Mm -hmm. But they even used the words of Mark, uh, to you have been given the mysteries of heaven. Most of the writers of these Gnostic Gospels openly admit that they are, uh, are derived from their own personal experience. You know, it's recorded that they would ask internal questions and then answers would just spontaneously appear to them in their minds, and images may appear, you know, activities of imagination or unconsciousness, and they call them spiritual communication. I mean, it's just it's just new agey as new agey could be. I think I really think that that when you talk about that 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 you know the Genesis six stuff, the same thing. I I firmly believe this, and I think you can kind of see it throughout history that it's not the only time that fallen angels have done those things. I think we still see that to this day that we see the, the this, this um, push in a different direction or, you know, someone given uh, knowledge or something over, it, it just, it, it just doesn't sync up. I, I, I mean, even the, the te advancement in our technology, Right. When you think that we went from the Wright brothers to being on the moon in less than 100 years or about 100 years. I mean, you think about that. That's that the the different things that we see, the different the different um, the way that the world keeps changing. You can see that there's definitely an impression that's being that's being put there. And I it takes me down another rabbit hole though. It always makes me wonder, sorry, this is way off base again, but it makes me wonder when we, you know, we talked about, um, numerous times in the past, you know, uh, like when Abraham has the angels come to him, right? They come in physical form. They're there. They eat. Why can't a fallen angel take on physical form, show himself, be a, I don't know, be a politician, 
you know, be uh, someone that is the the head of a I don't know certain movements or or things that cause or somebody's had a chaos. vision and God's told them this new way. Exactly. Why why can't that happen? I I firmly believe it does. I also believe in the same breath that when you saw Jesus, you know, taken by Satan, uh, you know, in in the uh, saying, hey, you know, if you bow to me, I'll give you all these kingdoms, and if if you know if you cast yourself down, it says that you know not a foot will hit a stone. You know, angels will rescue you. And he's tempted him that way. He's, but I believe that that same stuff, and this is once again my belief, that that same stuff has happened in this day and age where someone has, you know, a, a Satan, whatever you want to call it, chaos, uh, some f- form of that entity has come and said, hey, to I don't care if you're Mark Zuckerberg, whoever you are, come down and say, listen, I will give you all this if you just do this for me. You know, the whole selling your soul to the devil kind of thing. But I think that that same thing keeps taking us down these paths. You have somebody come up. Who's to say that the father of Gnosticism wasn't just one of these fallen angels trying to lead people away from the truth of Jesus? I mean, I I know that's a whole other rabbit trail, and I know that's way off. But it's just it's just amazing to me how you see so many people fall away so fast and f- jump on these other new ideas, and in, just because it's the hot new thing. I don't believe that people are that stupid. I really don't. I mean, I, I, I think that they need to be pushed in those directions or pulled in those directions. I don't think people are that dumb. So when we talk about Gnosticism and these ideas of enlightenment and think these new agey ideas, uh, that even the founding fathers with their, and I mean, who's to say that one of the fallen angels didn't, their signatures not on the Declaration of Independence. I, I don't know. I, I know that sounds crazy and I can cut this part out. No. But what? But when we go through and we talk about these things, I believe that there's so much. God has given us so much free will. You know, we're able to pick and choose what we do. But just as much as we have him here on this side saying, hey, you know, our conscience telling us what's right and wrong. Like you said before, we all know it's wrong to kill. Do people still kill? Yeah, they do. You know, we all know it's wrong to steal. Do people still steal? Yeah, they do. So where's that other voice? Well, it's just like Doug was saying today at church. He said people who, you know, if you're not walking with the Lord, they're not even thinking about God. They're just living their life. Hey, I'm going to do this, do that, whatever makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. And the on the, the angel side of things, they have free will also because they come down. The, devil, the devil's tail swooped a third of the angels with them. Who's to say, oh, Bobby up there in heaven's got tired of doing God's will, and he's like, you know what? I'm going down there with him. I mean, it's, it's hard. I we mean, don't know because, like I said, it's yeah. not scriptural. You don't see that. You don't no, see that like, you know, second incursion but, or anything. But I, I just But if it happened believe, before, it could, it could possibly happen again. Not saying it did. But I think some of those same ones, because we can see it. And if we talk about Genesis 6, and sorry, we're jumping around again. But if we're talking about Genesis 6 and you're talking about the fallen angels and, and, and the ones that were, you know, trapped and, and, and taken to Tartarus, right, that then where are these fallen angels, these other principalities that are the prince of Grecia and the prince of um, Persia that we hear in Daniel? 
I mean, there are other spiritual entities. And they've rebelled. Psalms 82, they ruled unjustly. They ruled unjustly. But these are other entities yes, that are here that are not in Tartarus. They're no, not the same. I agree. So we see that they're here after the fall in Genesis 6, after everything happens, after they were put in Tartarus. So if we're seeing that you still see that those evil powers are here on earth that are pushing people in these these other ideologies that are trying to and, and what they do like we said before is they pervert the truth just a little bit and guess what we're going to take it a little bit more and it's that whole you know satan mask rage is an angel of light we all we said that a, a million times but it's so true because it's like look here's the truth but i'm going to change just one little part of it and i'm going to change one little more part and it's going to get to the point where you just like yeah that's that I can believe that because like I said, I don't believe people are that stupid. No, because I think he has to, he has to do it in little pieces. Cause if he goes so drastic, like Psh, that's bull crap, you know, that's but it's light. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> well, even psychologists, yeah. you know, like uh, I listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson and he was talking about, you know, how, how your neurons fire and the chemicals your body produces the serotonin and stuff when you lie. I mean, you can physically see the effects that it has just from lying. Mm -hmm. And he said, and it's been proven with lie detector tests, if if a lie is repeated enough, you believe, you it's believe true. it. Yep. So think about it. You get told a small lie, and then you tell it to your kids. And then your kids keep passing it on down the line. Well, it's done went through two or three generations. That lie is now truth. Well, then what happens when somebody takes that lie that has become quote-unquote truth and adds a little bit more of a caveat to it and turns it a little bit more? Then it travels two or three generations. Now that lie that's had another lie added into it is now truth, and that's how it goes. It just perpetuates on down the line. Traded the truth for a lie. Yeah, amen. I mean, right there. And I, I, I want to try to tie this into a pretty bow because what you talked about, was uh you know the the slow perversion over time and the the fallen angel or spirit that's behind it i can tie i i, I think i can tie <laughs> it in with uh with valentinus because ornelius you know compared these gnostics to, to artists he said creating new myths poems and rituals and dialogues with christ and Marcus, which was a, a student of Valentinus, he had a vision of a naked woman come from heaven, and her name was Truth, you know, a.k.a. the naked truth. You know, it might be where we got that from. But he was given divine knowledge, and he had a, an initiation ritual after, quote-unquote, invoking the Spirit. So, you know, was this, you know, like an esoteric ritual with, with drugs involved? We don't know. We can only speculate. But... They would receive direct contact with the divine in this ceremony. You know, to me, it sounds an awful lot like Hollywood elites and their, you know, ayahuasca trips, mm -hmm. having these divine encounters oh, yeah. and stuff. But the Gnostics were basically way, like I said, I'm pulling all this stuff from that, that pagan, or the pagan, yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> but uh, what would I say her name Pagels, was? Elaine Pagels. Pagels, Elaine Pagels. Elaine, Elaine Pagan. Pagan. Yeah, Elaine Pagan. But she compares these Gnostics as the rebels that stood up against the established church. She said they believed that it was a, a power grab. And this sounds a lot like the founding fathers, you know, escaping 
England in the uh, the Roman Catholic Church so they could practice and be free to practice their own religions and do what they wanted to do. But, but they seen it as the, the Roman Catholic Church as a power grab, and it was meant to enslave the people and control them and keep them ignorant. You know, they believed that the church leaders were holding back knowledge. You know, to me, this goes back to the Garden of Eden. You know, many secret societies worship Lucifer and Satan. I talked about that earlier. Uh, but now you see this playing out with uh, these early church fathers and, and the Gnostics. Nothing new is under the sun, right? So it's like that quote, it, sometimes they believe it's better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. And we see that working out through this Gnostic movement and the separation of the church. But Arnelius says, they consider themselves mature so that no one can compare to them and their gnosis, which mean, you know, means knowledge. Not even Peter or Paul or the apostles. So think, you know, they they knew more than the men that walked with Christ. You know, this has the pride of Satan all over it. But there, another Gnostic gospel, uh, the Dialogue of the Savior, praises Mary as a woman who knew all. You know, the Queen of Heaven. Mm -hmm. But uh, another one, the uh, Apocalypse of Peter, uh, in the latest, most recent version of that Gnostic gospel found at Nag Hammondi, uh, was two to three hundred A.D. But it was a, a direct attack against the Roman Church, calling those self-proclaimed bishops and deacons uh, waterless canals. You know, it sounds a lot like Jude when he was talking about the false teachers and compared them to waterless clouds. But the Gnostics rejected rejected the physical uh, resurrection, and they also devalued the body. You know, it considered its actions of uh, sexual acts and drugs and things like that unimportant unimportant to the spiritual person uh, the gospel of thomas uh, jesus says if spirit came into being because of the body it is a wonder of wonders indeed i am amazed at how this great wealth the spirit has made its home in this poverty talking about the body but uh but the gnostics they stood close you know to greek and to Hindu and to Buddhist, you know, philosophic tradition, the spirit residing in the body, and like you said, you know, just enough truth to sound right, but you know, just perverted. But the actual person is the spirit. The body is an instrument to which the soul operates. And so you see how Satan operates. He gives you hints of the truth. He perverts it and parts of the doctrine. And, you know, parts of these doctrines, you know, I think even you know we could agree with, you know, because there's some partial truths there, but. They had some parts right, and then the things that they had wrong, they had very, very wrong, and they were very important. So, you know, sexual acts, drugs, strong drink, things like that didn't bother them. So they didn't align with the whole the body is the temple theology that we have in our scripture, and it's the whole do as thou wilt. But uh, the Christian creed says, I believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you know, this was made exclusively toward uh, the followers of Macron in 140 A.D. A Christian in Asia Minor, which was Turkey, who saw a contrast between the gods, or the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. He said that there must be two gods. Orthodox Christians usually group Gnostics with these guys, uh, and they call them uh, the Macronists or the Dualists. Another Gnostic gospel called the hypostasis of the Akrons, and you mentioned those guys earlier, 
but uh, that book confirms this belief when it says that the Creator's vain claim to hold an exclusive monopoly on the uh, divine power shows that he is blind because of his power and his ignorance and his arrogance. He said, It is I who am God, and there is none other than me. When he said this, he sinned against the entirety, and a voice came forth from above the realm of absolute power, saying, You are mistaken, Samael, which means God of the blind. Uh, uh, another book of theirs was uh, called On the Origin of the World, and it kind of goes over that same thing, but it says, uh, this was discovered in the same codex at Nakamandi, and it tells a variant of the same story, but only this time, Faith was described as a woman who rebukes him. So the same Samael, God of the blind. So we just, you know, we see all over again the whole Genesis 3, Genesis 6 narrative. Uh, the, 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 hang on just a second. But the Gnostic authors uh, use a, in this same uh, the origins of the world. The Gnostic authors use a play on words in their retelling of Genesis three. I thought this was very interesting. They use the Aramaic word uh, Hewa, which is H E W Y A, which I'm sure I butchered. But they use that word for the serpent, and that uh, instructs. It means instructs or teaches. And then for Eve, they use the word Hawa which sounds similar, but it's spelled H-A-W-A-H. And this, uh, instead of tempting Adam, she gives life to him and instructs him. Just a little bit. We're going to keep taking it a little bit and, and perverting the truth a little bit and perverting the truth a little bit. But you mentioned that wolves and sheep clothing. I think it was Arnalius. He used that exact same terminology uh, describing these guys. He said this about them. Such persons are to outward appearances sheep, for they seem to be like us from what they say in public, repeating the same words of confession that we do, but inwardly they are wolves. Mm-hmm. You know, and that goes back to Washington. He He went to church and prayed and said recited the same stuff that they recited the doctrines but when it come time for the Community. the last supper he would uh, slide on out the back door mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy i mean it it you, you can see how everything connects i'm trying to find the thing about valentinus but uh, basically, uh, it's, I can't remember if it's, let me, I don't want to just air quote that. Let me try to find it because it, it was profound. It, I can't remember if it's Arnalius or who, but they called him out and said that uh, basically he was a, a Christian, come to church every day, and was even seeking to be a bishop. And it wasn't until he was declined and they wouldn't accept him as a bishop it's when all of a sudden he become enlightened. I did see that too. He what it was he was he was ticked off and felt rejected because he was denied quote unquote the power of of a position of authority. So then he just made up his own religion and took half the church with him. 
Okay, here it is. It's a, um, but the Gnostics were stealing people from the church and speaking out against the Catholic Church, calling out their abuse of power, and basically started you know an occult. But the Gnostics seen it as a power grab. But it, there is a clear motive behind the rebellion of Vertulian, who was the founder of the Gnostic movement. He seeked to be a bishop of Rome, and it wasn't until he was selected that he, or not selected, that he turned on the church and became enlightened. So if he come in, you know, all of a sudden became enlightened after he was rejected, you know, who was he enlightened by? You know, Tertullian says this about, you know, Voltairean arrogance. His arrogance was unmatched. He said, he possessing all the pompous air of a cock. You know, it sounds like Vertulian was full of pride, jealousy, and envy, and these are all characteristics of Satan. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and Arnelius uh, claimed that uh, Gnosticism stemmed from Simon Magnus. You remember him from our Acts Bible study? He was the magician that tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit from Peter. So, you know, Arnelius uh, says that's where a lot of this, this Gnostic stuff came from, too. I think that's that part was probably one of the most interesting to me because you see, you know, he supposedly converted, then he tries to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, right? When mm-hmm. we're in Acts, and he goes through and 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 does that. But it was really interesting because you can see here it is following conversion because it says that that Simon assumed the divine title of the great power of God. Uh, Irenaeus report, uh, recorded that Simon actually believed himself to be God. Uh, in Irenaeus's account, Simon preached himself as God who first created thought, the mother of all. His female companion, wait, oh, that was the mother of all. That was his female companion, thought. Irenaeus further records that Simon claimed that from thought, the angels and human beings were created. But because the angels were governing the world so badly, Simon descended into human form to bring things into order. (laughs) Irenaeus goes on, Simon promised that when order came, his followers would be saved and this world would be dissolved. And I think that is just just nuts. Uh, It says, although the account of Simon's religious beliefs includes no references to saving Gnosis, uh, Irenaeus concluded that Simon gave up the falsely so-called Gnosis, uh, gave, I'm sorry, the falsely so-called Gnosis its beginnings. I thought that was just... So Irenaeus no they has call a whole it heresy. Bunch. You know what I mean? They're just listening to it now. I'm just like, how can anybody believe this stuff? Well, it's the thing. It's like they... I don't know. It's like they wanted to believe something, but the whole truth for a lie, they didn't want to believe the truth. Well, see, to me, I think it's funny is that they're completely guilty of what they were accusing the Roman Catholic Church of. Mm -hmm. They said the Roman Catholic Church just wanted power, and it was a power grab. And Well, then, you getting all this secret knowledge and and ascending to enlightenment, you know, and, and getting oh, these extra special powers. And it's different when you're the one getting the power. Oh, yeah. Or Simon right here who's, who's like, is claiming he is God. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, how, how much more Turning do you want attention? chaos into order. Exactly. 
How much more do you want attention? I just thought that was pretty amazing. And that, like, again, I can't plug it enough, but love logos. That stuff comes straight out of there just by searching certain things like that. It just blows me away. Um, but, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Wow. Don't love that it happened, but yeah. love the information. Love that, be, that you can see it. I always want to see it scripturally. And then to have it connected by a first century um, first century uh, church father, you know, to see that you're seeing the correlation between the biblical account and through something that's non, you know, non uh, uh, canon, but you're seeing that correlation. I just think I always find that fascinating because to me, it just keeps continuing to prove the Bible true. So just love seeing that. But I mean, I already had my you know doubts anyway about this, this Elaine woman in the books I was reading because just how she was wording things. But if I had any doubt when I got to this section, she was, like taking up for the Gnostics and you know she was repeating the same thing she was saying you know it was a power grab they were keeping the people dumb and and these guys uh, uh, had visions from God and told about their visions and they were labeled heresy but at the same time it's okay for the church fathers to have dreams of enlightenment and the Holy Spirit tell them things but when they try to do it it's not it's not cool they're heretics and where the Roman Catholic Church had so much power, and basically what she said was, is you know the winner tells the story. That since the Roman Catholic Church had so much power and influence, they snuffed out the Gnostics and drove them underground, having their books burned and destroyed, and labeled them as heretics and cast them out of society. You know that the only books that remained were the ones that were hidden. You know she really paints a favorable picture for the Gnostics as poor victims of the powerful, you know, Roman Catholic Church. And don't get me wrong, I ain't defending the Roman Catholic Church. You know, I mean, they've done a lot of wicked stuff, and but so has all of humanity. You know, you, you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater you know, or judge uh, you know, a religion by one person's by or a few. handful of, you know, their actions and misusing it. Yes, agreed. That's a very uh, straw man tactic, you know. Well, and that right there is the truth, because if you see it, you can, it's what I said earlier about the church is that you can have someone who, who drives someone away from the church because they treat somebody like they're a sinner, like, and they're not, you know, it, it just the, the judgment that people give when that's so not the case, when you have to look at the whole and you have to look at how forgiving God is and not worry about hum, like how, how humans perceive you or, or that your sin is any greater than anybody else's. You have to always remember that, that Jesus loves you. God loves you. And, and not to look at what other people, how other people uh, come off to you. It's the same. It's the same thing again. It's just, like I said, it's repackaged a little bit. And you even have this transgender stuff in the, the gospel of Thomas. Did you run across that? Looking, that. Listen to this, the, uh, the gospel of Thomas and others, you know, one of the Gnostic gospels I've mentioned a couple of times, but here it has Jesus saying uh, this about women and Mary. I will lead her in order to make her male so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. If nope, that doesn't didn't, sound off to you. Didn't catch that one. You are a few French fries short of a Happy Meal. Uh, my gosh, but like you said, it's been—I mean, it's been around forever. Ben brought that up. That this stuff has been, 
you see it and it just it just continues and and it just gets more and more accepted over time but you you see it back even to <coughs> those biblical times antiquity it just blows me away but it stems from because uh, what I got here it says that the Gnostics believed God to be what they called a, a dyad, both male and female. You know, well, to me, what stands out that's male and female, well, the Baphomet, he's got a little serpent twisting up from his crotch area and boobs, too. <laughs> it's pretty clear to me, to me, I mean, I, I grew up in church and stuff like that, but it's like, you know, you can pretty clear to see who the message is coming from. Uh, but there's they believe in also to the esoteric symbolism and and stuff like that and just reading how these people believe and stuff was just really intriguing to me. They believe paradise was an allegory for the mother's womb. It says, "I am He that formed thee in the mother's womb." That's Isaiah forty four two. Eden was the placenta, and the river that flowed forth from Eden symbolizes the navel which nourishes the fetus. And Simon Magnus says that Exodus was symbolic. Uh, the Red Sea crossing was was the womb and, and the blood of the womb. But there's a, another sect called Sethians. But the, the Sethian Gnostics, they say that heaven and earth have similar shapes as a pregnant womb and that the firmament separates the waters from the waters. Uh, but a lot of them point to Clement too of Alexandria and say that he was a Gnostic because uh, in his writings he said God has a, a feminine and masculine characteristics and it says quote the, the word like a mother nurses the child with milk of love and those suck at the breast are truly happy you know so they're really caught up in this whole male and female and you know but wouldn't it Christ himself that uh, said, uh, in, in me there is no male or female, free or slave, Jew or Gentile. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just a lot of interesting stuff to, to dig through, and it's just crazy just looking at the correlations of today and how you can see hints and bits and pieces of this everywhere. Ancient Egypt. Buddhist, you know, the the, the Taoists, uh, the Freemasons, the the Skull and Bones, uh, uh, the Rosen Cross. I mean, it's just uh, I like how Derek Gilbert says it's the 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 finger puppet on each hand. You know what I mean? But it's all coming from the same source. Mm-hmm. I, it's just I think that the I guess the the moral of the story, looking at this, is is seeing how how all these things, this evil that, that has always been there, we can see this through time, how things have been perverted and things keep changing and, and, and they keep, we keep accepting, you know, or I shouldn't say we as a whole, but I guess we as a people of this country, of this world, keep accepting, um, new truths. And I use truths in air quotes there, but new truths that, that allow us to, to be more, uh, like I said, your best self or, 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 you know, whatever you want to be. And it keeps taking us further and further away from, you know, that absolute truth that you were talking about before. Like 
Jesus is the only way. But nobody wants to be responsible for their actions. So they, they find a different way. And th that makes these other ideas and these other ways and these other parts of this belief that much more attractive. Yeah, more palpable, yeah. Because, well, I don't have to answer to somebody. And you see that all the way through history with this is that all of a sudden, oh, it's up to you just to become self-enlightened. So I don't have to answer to anybody. I can just do this on my own at my own speed. I can, this is my own truth. This you is do my you, own. bro. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's turned into. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's repackaged. And this, this whole Gnostic idea, this whole Gnostic movement is right here, right now. We see it. Different name. Different name. Same thing. Uh, same idea. Same, same basic principles that we're seeing right now. You watch the news and see it uh, the whole time. I mean, it's just it's right there in front of you. Go to the grocery store. It's right there all the time. You know, turn on the TV. It's right there all the time. But. And I think you guys would agree with me. It's usually somewhere in the middle, and I'm not saying the middle of, of Gnosticism. Oh. But what I mean is, is like, there's nothing wrong with philosophy. There's nothing wrong with with wisdom. There's nothing wrong with reading and studying and and having some self growth and trying to better yourself. No, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that, and it's actually biblical. But Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And I love uh, just how uh, Timothy Alvarino said that in that episode with us. You know, he said, digging into the scriptures, and I, and I would apply this too with the, the whole self-growth. Both of those things, you know, are, are good things to do, but only if you got down the, the message of Christ, what that is, and be able to articulate that and not only articulate that and defend that. That's your foundation. And once you have that, then go digging. Mm -hmm. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that foundation and you just start diving into all these deep subjects and start looking at what these other religious people and, and belief systems are and what they believe and things like that, you're basically walking into a storm and you're going to get pushed around, tossed around, rained on. And if, if you might build a really great looking 40 foot tall mansion, but it's built on sand and that you're one wind gust away from being tore down. Mm -hmm. But I guess we can wrap this up if you guys are good, but, uh, I do, we always want to end on good notes. Uh, and I know you talk about origin a lot, uh, I love what him and Arnelius said, and I thought these were good, uplifting things to, to kind of close with. But Origen said, God would have not offered a way of salvation accessible only to an intellectual or spiritual elite, that it must be simple and accessible to all. And then Arnelius declares, as the Son, a creation of God, is one and the same throughout the whole world. Also, the preaching of the truth shines everywhere and enlightens all people who are willing.
truth. I hope this has been an enlightening conversation. Keep digging. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Don't be like a county worker. Get in that hole and dig some. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel. See ya.